0: Today's word comes from Revelation 21, verses 8. Revelation, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, For the first heaven and the first earth hath passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with him. He will dwell with them, and they will be with his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexual, immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Morning. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Amazing.
1: Wow. Wow, I'm glad everyone's doing good. Uh, yeah, just as Pastor Sam had mentioned, I grew up here in this church. I think when this church was built, I was like in the 10th grade, and I was actually worshiping here in G.A.G., Uh, In this very room, in the NPR, and I remember memories of having to set up all of these chairs, me and like five other people. I don't know why it was me, but, you know, I was just here. And so they would ask me, hey, Michael, you need to set up all of these chairs, right? And then they would also tell me, hey, we need to make boundaries for the service for whatever reason. And so we would take all the tables inside that closet and we would set up all of the tables uh, just so that we make this like weird perimeter around our worship service. And I remember really, really just not liking it at all. I hated it. I hated it. But you know what was really special for me were the retreats. And I'm sure that's how it is for a lot of you guys as well. How many of us come to these retreats really expecting something, right? I mean, from what we all know, from what we've all experienced before, at first, we come to these retreats, not that excited or some of us who have experienced retreats before we say yes yes i really need this retreat i need to restart my faith i need to make sure that god is speaking to me and this retreat is a surefire way to get there and so as we start in the retreat what happens we start to you know we're in worship we go you're all to us all to us, right But at the end of the uh, end of the retreat, everyone is raising their hands, everyone is crying, everyone is just praising God as if they've never praised God before, as if they've first meeting God for the first time. And then what happens? We're all hyped up about God. we're all hyped up about the Word, and we go home and we say, "All right, today's the day. I'm going to open up my Bible." Today is the day I'm going to start to pray. Today is the day I'm going to listen to a sermon here or there. And it happens for a couple of days. It happens maybe for a couple of weeks. But eventually what happens, all of the problems in your life and in my life, they never went away, but they were waiting for you to come home. All of the brokenness in your family, all of the hatred that you have, for those around you, all of the bitterness you have for those around you, all of the pain you have for those around you and for yourself it was never gone. One retreat won't take all of that away. All of the brokenness in this world, let's be honest, is still here. And so when all those problems come, what happens, we start to get boggled down, we start to get stressed, we start to get tired, and then we forget to read our Bibles, we forget to pray, we forget to cling onto God, because he is not the only one that we need anymore. The ones that we do need are our homework assignments, are our friends, are the people we love and people we want to spend time with more and more than God. And so we say again, I need another retreat. As if we can jumpstart our faith like a broken car, like a broken and run-down car battery, this retreat might help us. But brothers and sisters, today I've chosen this text and why I really believe that God has a message for us today is because worship is not just Sunday. Worship is not just a retreat Worship is all of your life. And so, if we ever need a reason why we should ever worship a God who we feel like is not even there, why should we worship a God who we feel has betrayed us and has left us to die out in the field or left us to die out, yeah, just left us to dry? We look to this text in Revelation 21. We look to this text to see what God is actually doing in your life, in my life, in the whole world. We look to this text so that we can hope once more, so that we don't have to wait for a retreat, but to know that you can worship God with all of your soul, with all of your heart, with all of your mind, every single day, because there is hope in Christ. And so when we turn to Revelation 21, what do we see? Before I begin even going into the text, let me just give you guys a disclaimer here. I'm not going to be talking about all the like vivid and wild dreams and visions that Revelation is known for. right? I'm not going to be talking about 666. I'm not going to be talking about the dragon or uh, all of the riders on the horses and all that stuff. But what I want to talk about today and what I want to set up for us is the reason why John... Yes, the Apostle John is writing this book in the first place. You see, John was writing at a time where there was persecution amongst Christians. And so John was writing to a select few of churches, a group of churches, who some of them were suffering for the name of Jesus Christ. Some of them were being tempted and tried. And though Satan would throw all of the things that he could throw at them, they still held on to their faith, and they still held on to what is true to Christ, their king. Other churches needed a bit of a wake-up call. Other churches, they, they started to walk away from God. Jesus himself says, You are neither warm nor, hot, nor, warm nor cold. You are lukewarm, therefore I will spit you out of my mouth. And so what John is really saying to this church or to that church, to a church that is suffering or to a church that is a little apathetic in their faith, to these members, to these people, just like you and me, human beings, right? These people need to hear a message that there is encouragement at the end of the day, that there is hope at the end of the day, and so... Because there is hope in Jesus Christ, because God is working in my life and in your life, because God is in control of everything that we see and everything that goes on in this world, we worship, we hold on to our faith. I don't know where you all are at right now with your faith. I can make assumptions and say that COVID hit pretty hard on all of us, right? We haven't been to church in so long. As Pastor Sam was saying earlier, this is the first retreat in a really long time where we're here in person. But brothers and sisters, we need to know this. There's actual hope for you and me. And because of this, worship with all of our hearts, with all of our minds. There's just one problem though. We don't really do that. The problem is, is that It's not God that's the problem. But the problem is that my heart is fickle. It's that my heart, though I know Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior, is that though I know Jesus Christ to be my Redeemer and be someone who loves me to the point of death, I still walk away from God. I still say, you know what, God, I don't really want to deal with you today. God, I don't really want to focus on you. I don't really want to pray. I just don't feel like reading the word of God. God, I feel a little down. So you know what? Let me just uh, play games for the rest of the day. God, I don't really care for you right now, so let me just look up this video on the internet and and spend my time that way. Let me just hang out with my friends for a little while and forget about you, God. Because at this point in my life, God, it doesn't feel like you're really there. It doesn't feel like you're actually moving in my life. And so, God, I'm really questioning you. How often can we feel like that? And how often, then, do we start to turn our hearts turn our gaze towards other things, towards things that don't matter, towards things that will not give us life, things that are lifeless, things that won't save us, things that can't move. In verse 8, it says this, but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, and as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now, uh, let me be honest with you guys. I'm not gonna be talking about you know the burning lake. Uh, I'm not gonna be talking about where it is or what it is or what's the purpose of it, but what I want to focus on, we all know that I mean just by reading it, we can recognize It's it's bad, right? However, what I want us to uh, pay attention to is who's actually there, right? And it's no coincidence that John says the first person that we find in the burning lake is the cowardly. Now, hold on a second. Wait a second here. Are you telling me that God is going to send me to this burning lake just because I'm not brave? What? That's sort of ridiculous to hear. That's almost offensive to hear. How can God send me to a burning lake just because I'm not brave? That doesn't seem fair. Brothers and sisters, let me remind you again who John is writing to. John is writing to churches. John is writing to people in the church like me and like you. People that have grown up at KCPC. People that have gone through Promised Land, All-Stars, JG, and we'll go on to sojourn, et cetera, et cetera, right? People who profess the name of Christ. And so in that time, remember, John is writing to churches who are suffering, but also churches who are a little bit apathetic in their faith, people who just dropped out of their faith just because of all of the troubles in the world. And so when he says cowardly, he's talking specifically about those people in the church who never really believed though, they believed, though they said they believed. It's a reminder for me and for you. It's a reminder to tell us that the way is narrow. That like in Matthew 7, verses 21, 22, what, does, what do people say? Lord, Lord, I prophesied in your name. I, I went and cast out demons in your name. And at the end, Jesus says, away from me. Never knew you. was going on in that time while John was writing this letter is that, again, persecution was going around. And so, uh, like the Roman Empire, for example, if they found out that you were a Christian and they found out that you professed the name of Jesus Christ, what would they do? They gave you three options. You could either recant or deny Christ. You could either confess Christ and suffer the consequences, suffer persecution, whether that be physical, whether that be economical, sociological, whatever those things are, or you could compromise your faith and start to believe in other gods. Three options. You could deny Christ right there. You can confess Christ and suffer, or you can start to believe and worship other gods. And some of these individuals in these churches were doing that. In the face of hardship, in the face of struggle, they started to walk away. The, the, it's too much for them. And honestly if I'm going to be really, like, really real with you all, if I were in that situation, it would be really, really tough, right? Like, I don't necessarily blame them, but look, the the fact of the matter is is that the word of God says so, that the cowardly, those who walk away from Christ, those who say they believe in Christ and, and walk away, those will face the wrath of God. Brothers and sisters, so it's something that I want us to understand here. You and I are all worshipers, no matter what. We are worshipers by nature. God has made me, God has made you to be worshipers of him, to enjoy him, to be in a relationship with him. And so, because of our sin, That gets skewed. Because of our sin, we don't worship God as we ought to. We don't love God as we ought to. And so, again, as I was mentioning before, worship is not just Sunday service. Worship is not just singing here for a retreat. Worship is not just going to small group after Sunday service either. But worship encompasses your whole life. Because you yourself are a worshiper. You yourself have been made to worship one thing or another. You've been made to worship God. And so if you ever wonder what it is that I'm actually worshiping, what it is that I'm actually serving, look at your life. Be a little reflective. Be a little critical and see who it is that I'm living for. Who is it that I bow down to at the end of the day? Not necessarily literally, but figuratively in my heart. Who am I giving my whole life, my whole adoration, my whole reverence to? Who am I bowing down to at the end of the day? Is it Christ and Christ alone, or is it something or someone else? Because whether we know it or not, our lives are worship. You will worship God, or we will worship something else. We'll worship ourselves, we'll worship school, we'll worship our parents, we'll worship jobs, money, something. What are we living for? Brothers and sisters, again though, I want to remind us that there's hope. I remind us that though we may feel like God is not there, though we may feel like God is absent, though we might feel as though God simply doesn't care about me. The truth of the matter is is that God has given me and given you a promise today. That God has given you his own signature, his own seal of approval through Christ, his own son, and the work that his son Jesus Christ is doing through even now. And so because of this, brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you all, I want to ask you all, do not look to other things, look to Christ. Worship Christ, give your adoration, give your devotion, give your whole life over to Christ. And we want to see that the reason why through verse 1, says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. When we look at the first verse, what, what does John see? A new heaven and a new earth. Why? Because the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There is newness that is coming through. There is newness and renewal and recreation in everything that we see, everything that we know to be broken. It will all be made new. It will all be redeemed by God. And the reason why we can worship, the reason why we can love God with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our minds, and all of our strength, is because of this promise that God is giving me and giving you right now, that there will be a new heaven, a new earth, that there will be a new creation where everything is redeemed, where all of it, all of the brokenness that you have in your heart, all of the evil that you see in the world, it'll all be taken away. It'll all be defeated. It'll all be done away with. All the shame that you might feel and I might feel, all of the guilt that you might have and I might have, it is all taken away, and we are made new in Jesus Christ. If you look a little bit before this chapter, what do we see? We see Christ. We see Christ reigning. We see Christ in all of his power, all of his sovereignty, all of his control. We see Christ reigning over everything. We see, dis- we see Satan defeated. We see all of the evil judged, done away with. And when we get to verse 1, we see newness in life. How stale do we feel right now? How upset are we at our circumstances right now? How much apathy do you have? How much, how, are, how much numbness do you have in your heart, in your mind, to the point where you just don't care anymore? Where life just doesn't seem like it matters anymore? All of that is away. All of that is done with. All of that is redeemed. All of that is given back to you because of Christ all of the brokenness in your family, all of the bitterness that you feel, all of it is given, is given a new, a new start, a new hope, a new redemp, a new plan in Christ. And so if we're heavy in our hearts, or if we just don't care enough, we just don't know enough, look to what God is doing. Look to everything that God is doing because he is making a new heaven, a new earth where the old will pass away, where all the brokenness will be gone. We say in our hearts, we say in our minds that, oh, my dad died, therefore I can't worship God. How could God let that happen to me? Oh, COVID really wrecks my family I lost someone because of COVID. I lost, uh, the job. my family lost their jobs because of COVID. How could God be good? How could God love me? It gets even better than just saying that there's a new heaven, new earth. It, just, it gets even better than uh, just saying that the old will be gone, that we'll be redeemed, that we'll be uh, new again in Christ. It gets even better than that. And we look to verse three and four. It says this, I heard the dwelling place of God is with man. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and the death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Dear brothers and sisters, it's not just that there's a new heaven, new earth. It's not just that all of the old has passed away, but the best thing has yet to come. The best, best, best thing that could ever happen to you. The best thing that could ever happen to me, anyone, is that God is with you. Money will fade away Your success will fade away. Jobs will fade away. Everything is going to fade away. But the thing that lasts, the thing that actually gives you life, gives you joy that will never run dry, the thing that you could always look back on and rely on and rest upon is that God is with you. That God will dwell with you. And the reason why this is so amazing, the reason why this is so important for me and for you, is because we were separated from God. It's because at one point, we were enemies with God because of our sin. And yet, throughout the whole book of Revelation, throughout the whole Bible, what do we see? Bits and pieces of hope. When Adam and Eve sinned, what did God do? God didn't kill them right then and there, though he could have if he really wanted to. God clothed them. And God gave them a promise that the seed of the woman, that Jesus Christ would one day crush the head of the serpent. When the Israelites were in slavery... And enslaved by Egypt, what happened? God did not let them go. God did not say, you know what, I don't care about you guys. Go go on, become slaves, do whatever. But God freed them by his power. And just as how God freed the Israelites from slavery, so also does God free me and you from the slavery we have in sin. By Christ. By Christ alone. All throughout this book, all throughout God's word, God reminds us again and again and again that there will be one day a time where everything that is wrong will be made right, and it's through Jesus Christ. Where everything will be made right because of Jesus Christ. And so we look to that day We look to that day where we can actually be with God again, where the best thing for us to have God, to be in a relationship with God, will actually be a reality. Before, when you look at the Bible, what happens? I don't know if you remember any of the stories or anything like that, but remember that Israel used to travel, right, with the presence of God in a tabernacle, in a tent, and they would have to experience the presence of God. They would have to know that God is with them with this tent, through this tent. And through this tent, only one person was allowed to go into deep into what we call the Holy of Holies, where God's presence is, right? And so uh, only one person once a year would be able to go and to make a sacrifice. But that was never supposed to be the end plan, That was never supposed to be the end result. God was never supposed to end up with us worshiping him through a tent and one person going at him uh, to sacrifice. God's plan was always for us to be with him and for him to be with us. God's plan always, always, always was for us to be his people and for him to be our God. Never separated. Yet, we know that really didn't happen as we hoped, right? Because of sin. Because of what we have done. And so because of our sin, because of all of our hearts not wanting God, we walk away from God, we are separated from God, and what does God do then? God sends his son, Jesus Christ. God sends his son Jesus Christ to pay for my sin, for your sin, for the sins of the whole world through his blood, so that we might be with God again, so that we won't have to go and go, to, so that we don't have to go to God through a tent, so that we don't have to go through God uh, waiting once a year, but that right now, God is actually with you. That right now, the creator of the whole universe, the redeemer of your souls and my soul, the lover of my soul, the lover of your soul, the one who knows you best, the one who knows what you need, the one who provides for you, is actually with you. And Jesus did that for you. Jesus did it because he loves you. Jesus did that because he knows we're like sheep without a shepherd. Walking and running around as if we're chickens with their heads cut off. Not knowing how to live in this life. Not knowing who it is that we can worship. Not knowing who's there at the end of the day. Jesus is there. And Jesus is with us. And Jesus will one day wipe away every single tear our eyes and we look to the hope where one day death will be no more we look to the hope where one day sin and all of its power all of its sting will be no more and so when we look to our lives what are we worshiping are we worshiping something that will never give us life or are we worshiping god who has given his own life for me and for you are we giving up our time, our devotion, our adoration, our reverence, our everything to something that will not last? Or are we giving it up to the King of kings and the Lord of lords who loves you so, so much? He promises you, all of you, he will wipe away every tear. Dear brothers and sisters, we don't have to wait for a retreat. We don't have to wait a Sunday service because of Christ we can go to God we can worship God freely go to him in the word go to him in prayer be hungry for him in the word be hungry for God in your prayers and as you seek him he promises to be with you he promises to dwell with you let's pray I want to invite the praise team to come up as well as we just take this time to close out, knowing that God is with us, knowing that from the throne, the dwelling place of God is with man, and that one day he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying or pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Dear brothers and sisters, please hold on to this promise because this promise is for you and for me and it's a promise that we can hope for into all of eternity. I don't know exactly where we are, but I would ask us not to wait to go before God. You can go before God now Of Christ. You can go before God now because Christ has made a way for you. With all of your brokenness, with all of your heaviness, find rest in Christ. Find that true adoration, true restoration is in Christ, and that one day we will be with Him perfectly, completely. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that your son Jesus has given us life. We thank you that your son Jesus has given us new hope. Because of this, Father, we know that it's true. God, you say your words are trustworthy. You say your words are faithful. So, Father, help us to rely on them. Help us to run to them. Help us to rest in them knowing that you do not deny, Father God, but you welcome us with open arms, just like the prodigal son, Father. Lord, help us to worship you today with all of our hearts, with all of our lives, with all of our souls. It's in Jesus Christ we pray.